Alright, hello everybody. Today is Monday, another Zodiac Monday. Welcome to the show. Today we will be talking about the Zodiac Killer CIA connection, but first I have two quick announcements. I would like to begin by giving a shout out to Professor Stewart, who had an idea for a BBOR t-shirt, and he suggested that I make one that says, Being weird is not a crime. Long-time BBOR listeners will know that this is my favorite saying, and it actually comes to us from Amanda Knox. I've told this before, but um, I'll just say it again real fast. After Amanda Knox was accused of the murder of Meredith Kircher, her roommate, a lot of people began to draw some conclusions very quickly based on her bizarre behavior after being arrested and being interrogated by the police. And when she was questioned about this by reporters, she said, well, there's not exactly a manual on how to deal with life and tragedy, something to that effect. I'm even paraphrasing right there. And my response was, being weird is not a crime. And in the murder of Meredith Kircher, no, I don't believe Amanda Knox was guilty of it. Instead, I think that um, a lot of people are zoning in on her personality. They're accusing her of these... Um, uh, they're accusing her of this crime because they don't like the way she acts. And if you ever seen those videos on YouTube where they're analyzing her eye movements and her lip movements... That stuff goes into the category of being weird, but it doesn't make somebody guilty of murder. And it was a good idea from Professor Stewart, and it came in about uh, two months ago, and it just, um, I finally got around to it now. And the reason why I was thinking about that one brings us to our next announcement, giving a shout-out to Kevin Atkinson, who wrote into the email address. Anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at AOL.com. And Kevin Atkinson wrote in saying, Hi, Ned. Can you please make a download link available? I like to listen while driving, and I'm sure others do too. They would appreciate it as well. Maybe have a podcast feed somewhere. After Kevin wrote this email, I remembered that I had a blank profile on the platform Launchpad. Launchpad DM is affiliated with Podcast One, I guess. Like, if you go to podcastone.com, you will find a lot of great shows, but they're all studio-generated, not user-generated. And I heard an advertisement once on Podcast One about this thing, Launchpad, where just ordinary users like me can put out content. So I made the profile, and it was abandoned there, and it's actually called Black Box Crime and Government. But after Kevin wrote that email, I began to mess around with it a little bit, and I started putting up a couple episodes, and this will actually be the first official episode that will be available for free download. And um, there will be a link to that in the description box, as well as a link to the Teespring page where you can buy the t-shirt. Being weird is not a crime. Those are some great ways to support Black Box Online Radio. But I want to emphasize, downloading the show will now be free. You can also download the show if you have YouTube Premium, but um, there will be free downloads available at Launchpad DM, and there is a link in the description box. Okay, now going on to today's topic, I wanted to get to this one because it's something that I've been quite curious about. The Zodiac Killer CIA connection. A series of murders took place in 1968 and 69 that were connected together because of a series of letters and cryptograms, as well as phone calls and other types of messages. One time, somebody wrote a message on a car door, 
September 27, 1969. But these things that are using language, they united this series of murders that took place in 68-69. It's really from December 20th of 1968 to October 11th of 1969. And if you had approached me about this years ago and said, oh yeah, it was actually a CIA operation, I would have laughed or I would have told you, no, it wasn't. I don't even need to hear what you have to say. I just would have thought that was so absolutely ludicrous. But since I've been um, learning more about this, I found that it seems to be somewhat of an established theory. And as you learn more about the world, you find that the CIA does a lot of nasty and terrible things. Would they have been behind something like the Zodiac murders? And if so, which murders did they commit? As we said, five people were murdered from 68 to 69, and then all of the unconfirmed Zodiac killer incidents, let alone the media coverage and um, trying to get things published in the paper. What really happened? So I would like to begin with something that was sent to me by Playtime. And this is another message that I've read off before in a previous episode. It was the one actually on Richard Gajkowski, but let's just have a read at what Playtime has written out here. Is the Zodiac Killer a real person, or just a supervillain? A character invented by Paul Avery and Robert Graysmith. Perhaps a CIA mole in Operation Mockingbird provided a copycat Zodiac for those last two kills on September 27th and October 11th of 1969. The other killings seem to have been committed by drug gangs. The letters seem to have been yellow journalism. There is a shady FBI presence throughout all of it. Richard Gajkowski was a clear target of theirs. They shut down his hippie group and their subversive, peace-oriented newspaper. The movie The Texas Chainsaw Massacre came out in 1974. It is not a true story either. It is a fictional story of a group of Texas serial killers. Could that be the case with the Zodiac Killer too? Is it just fiction? So, when I was first um, receiving comments like this from people about how there was no Zodiac Killer, the Zodiac Killer is fictional, I was quite shocked because this is mostly in 2019. Well, I was like, well, real murders took place. Everyone seems to agree upon that. There were real murders that occurred in 1968 and 69. The first part, though, December 20th of 68, is when David Faraday and Betty Lou Jensen were murdered. Then on Blue Rock Springs, July 4th of 1969, which is really close to July 5th, actually. I mean, we've gone back through some of the timeline uh, material here on this channel, and the shooting most likely seems to have occurred around 11.55 p.m., but still on July 4th of 1969. This is what Playtime has proposed, the, uh, how these two could have been committed by gangs, by drug dealers, or as it says here, drug gangs. And another reason I got thinking about this one was because Playtime had shared something on the channel, just posting in the comments section down there. You guys are always welcome to post your ideas in the comments section about how the prime suspect in the Lake Herman Road murders could be somebody named David Walliot. And there was even a request once, will you do an episode, Zodiac Killer David Walliot? Not saying that he is the prime suspect for all of the canonical murders that we've been talking about, but just the Lake Herman Road shooting, that he was a drug dealer, he was someone who was a protected confidential informant, and 
if I understand the narrative, it is that David Waliot is an informant in the sense that people come to his place, they buy drugs, shortly thereafter they are arrested, and then they can do these types of stake operations, if you want to call them that. They get people set up, and because he's cooperating with the police, he enters into a type of protective status. And if anyone wants to correct my phrasing and thinks that they can put out a more accurate version of these events, please feel free to do so down below. But this guy was not going to be arrested because of being an informant. So then, he is, though, a real criminal. And David Faraday may have done something that would have triggered him in the wrong way, most notably ratting out a local drug pusher at David's high school. And David Walliot is part of the Ott Brothers gang. The other one is Russell Ott, who um, goes by the name of Rusty. David Walliot, as, as far as I understand, he went by the name Willie, even though his middle name is Wally. And another person who is connected to this um, gang is someone named Donald Warren Porter, a local criminal drug dealer, and he is a potential suspect in the shooting at Blue Rock Springs on July 4th of 1969. Tom Voigt did share one thing about, about him with me when he said, Donald Warren Porter was never arrested after the Zodiac crimes. I guess I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. He, um, there's someone who is arrested. Let's just say someone is arrested, and, um, his name is Donald, but whoever he is, he gets arrested after the Blue Rock Springs shooting. And Tom Voigt wanted to say, Donald Warren Porter was never arrested. He was taken into police custody for unknown reasons and then later on released. Now, is it possible that um, this was a different guy? Yes, it wasn't the Donald Warren Porter that I was just talking about. I mean, some people think that that is the key to the entirety of the case, that it's actually somebody else who has a very similar name. But I wanted to talk more about the CIA operation, because let's look at the next part here. How on earth would you be able to say that there is any type of hoax theory, or that there's any type of concept where somebody is writing letters taking credit for murders that he didn't commit? If you have the Lake Berryessa stabbing, on September 20th, 7th of 1969. Or you have the Paul Stein shooting on October 11th of 1969. Those obviously weren't drug-related crimes. I mean, how would you ever establish that in the um, Lake Berryessa stabbing, where somebody committed a, a crime wearing the Zodiac Killer symbol, where somebody wrote a message on the car door well, this is where the um, comment seems to deviate and says that this was a CIA mole operation provided the copycat for the Zodiac Killer for the last two kills some type of CIA operative is doing the Lake Berryessa stabbing and the Paul Stein murder. I think the strongest thing that would suggest this is how casually and calmly the person was able to walk away from the Stein shooting. I mean, maybe somebody cut Paul Stein's shirt at the scene. I mean, m most people believe that. And uh, somebody asked me that question once, which part of the shirt was it cut? Was cut? And if you look at an image of Paul Stein's shirt, he was the taxi driver that was murdered on October 11th of 1969. You can see it actually is the backside of the shirt. 
They were asking is at the front or the back. It looks like a very clear rectangle has been cut out of the backside of Paul Stein's shirt. And then that was divided into multiple pieces and mailed in in the Zodiac letter so that the person could prove that they had committed the crimes. Well, I don't know how else you would um, be able to explain those because... I mean, when I say how else you'll be able to explain Lake Berryessa and Paul Stein, if you're going to play this angle, because Lake Herman Road and Blue Rock Springs, there is a way to disguise this up as a CIA operation or a hoax operation, hoax meaning that someone was writing letters taking credit for murders that he didn't commit. But I was like, Lake Berryessa challenges all of that. And that shows us that someone was wearing the symbol. Someone didn't just sneak up on people and fire some gunshots. There's this extended conversation that the Zodiac Killer is having with Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard, as well as writing the message on the car door. Phone calls came after Blue Rock Springs and Lake Berryessa. And with Blue Rock Springs, still some way, somehow, people could have learned about it from the police scanner. I do accept that. But the other point is just that, I mean, I was even just, uh, I was like, how else could you explain this type of multiple killers narrative? If you weren't going to say it's a CIA operation, that would explain the differences involved in the crimes. Because with Lake Berryessa, it's not something that just was an ordinary crime. It wasn't a robbery. It wasn't a sexual assault. It wasn't a drug-related stabbing. I mean, it was very obviously someone wanted to make a statement that they were committing a murder under the symbol of the Zodiac Killer, and murder was the primary objective. I mean, the Zodiac Killer's talking about the stuff at Lake Berryessa saying, I just want your money, I want your car keys, I'm trying to get to Mexico. But that's all baloney. The, the Zodiac Killer's primary objective was to stab Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard. But um, as far as this stuff just being arranged by the um, by the media, and that this, as we said, some things that are connected to Operation Mockingbird, I mean, you'd have to ask the question, well, who has deeper connections to the CIA? But let's look at something else. I would like to go over to some messages that were sent to me by Chad Kelsey, and these were actually sent into the Facebook page. I have my personal Facebook in the description box there. There's also a Facebook page for Black Box Online Radio that um, you can like and follow and um, contact me on Facebook. And then Chad Kelsey says in his message, I don't even think the Zodiac is real. It's unrelated crimes that Graysmith tried to connect to sell papers, and boy did he get rich as fuck off of those inaccurate books. Okay, interjection there. Yes, Graysmith got very rich off this. When we did the episode, Who is Robert Graysmith? I mean, it was reported that he has a net worth of $5.1 million. Multiple books written by Robert Graysmith have been turned into movies. Of course, Zodiac from 2007, which is about him, really. It's even about him more so than the Zodiac Killer, even more so than Arthur Lee Allen. But um, Autofocus, so about the murder of Bob Crane, is also uh, a Graysmith book turned into a movie. So um, it was uh, unrelated crimes Graysmith tried to connect to sell papers. Lake Berryessa was a copycat. One of those detectives was caught writing fake letters to the paper about how great he was. 
What would stop him from deciding to be a hero and catching Zodiac? But it blew up beyond his control. I love the Zodiac, though, mainly because I despise things and love to see them taunted. Okay, um, two things. About this here, Lake Berryessa is a copycat. Well, the symbol was published in the paper August 4th, 1969. That circle with the cross going through it. Somebody could have learned about that. And many people believe that Lake Berryessa was a copycat killing. They think there was a real Zodiac killer. It's just that somebody else stole his idea and they committed either a thrill kill at Lake Berryessa or they were stalking Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard and they had learned about the symbol from the paper so they put it on the Lake Berryessa costume. I find that quite, um, well, I just, how on earth would anybody be able to say that convincingly? I mean, it's an unsolved case. We do not know what happened. I definitely wouldn't endorse some type of theory like that. But then people think, Paul Stein's shirt was cut because the Zodiac Killer wanted to prove I actually did this crime. And um, that guy at Lake Berryessa, that wasn't me. He threw in one sentence, though, I'm responsible for the um, murder of the two kids by the North Bay. That's, um, I mean, that's it's a widely, widely discussed theory that Lake Berryessa was not the same person that committed the Lake Herman Road, Blue Rock Springs, and uh, Paul Stein murder. So um, that one isn't too outrageous. As far as being unrelated crimes that Robert Graysmith tried to connect to sell papers, Graysmith is the production assistant and editorial cartoonist at the San Francisco Chronicle. One thing that Tom Voigt really wanted to um, argue against this is, and you can hear more about this in my episode Tom Voigt on the Zodiac Hoax Theory, is that Robert Graysmith is not in control of what the police do. And the myth of the Zodiac Killer, the great Zodiac Killer hoax, all of these things that say that Graysmith could have been an active participant of the Zodiac Killer mystery. Graysmith wasn't writing the search warrants for Arthur Lee Allen. Graysmith wasn't even the person, to the best of our knowledge, that brought Arthur Lee Allen forward as a Zodiac Killer suspect. Now, in those same books that I was just talking about, the great Zodiac Killer hoax series or the myth of the Zodiac Killer, which you can get on Amazon.com, it's the... um same books, they're just been compiled into one book called The Myth of the Zodiac Killer, or you can hear about it on Black Box Online Radio. This one said, accused Graysmith of being the letter writer for a while. Thomas Henry Warren, who's the author of those um, that series, had a short list of suspects whom he believed could have written the Zodiac Killer letters. One of them was actually Richard Gajkowski. He thought that Gajkowski was um, very high on the short list for a while, but then he decided it it wasn't him. It just he wasn't the guy that um, Warren has identified. And um, Thomas Ward claims that the letters were actually written by a Napa County deputy named Harold K. Snook, more commonly known as Hal Snook. But of course, Graysmith was high on the list as well as someone who would have written the Zodiac Killer letters. Graysmith, as a cartoonist, had very good penmanship. He could disguise his writing very easily. He could um, do all sorts of things with um, the pen, and Graysmith really should have stuck to illustrating rather than researching because he made the most famous um, illustration of the Lake Berryessa costume, and it seems like he was pretty good at those things. What it doesn't seem like he was very good at is telling the truth in his books. 
So, um, but what Tom Voigt wanted to say was, Graysmith is not as influential as people believe that he is, and he's also not able to control anything associated with law enforcement or the FBI. I mean, the FBI got involved because the Vallejo Times Herald um, contacted them because of extortion, because this guy, whoever he is, is saying that if you don't print this in the paper, I'm going to go on a kill rampage. I mean, that had nothing to do with Robert Graysmith. That's between the Vallejo Times Herald and the FBI. The people who are looking into any Zodiac killer suspect wouldn't get their orders from Robert Graysmith or the San Francisco Chronicle. Graysmith isn't running the newspaper. As I said, he was a production assistant and editorial cartoonist. Moving on to the next part of this comment here. One of the detectives was caught writing fake letters to the paper about how great he was. The time that I believe this happened was in 1978 with the letter that mentions Dave Toskey. And Dave Toskey is a suspect for writing the 1978 letter, but this is well after 1969. Um, um, so this is well after the people are still within the span of the Zodiac's reign of terror. Um, if there is some other time when some one was referred to as being great and being a suspect in writing a copycat letter, I'm not sure. And I don't believe it's 100% certain that Dave Toskey wrote the 1978 letter. But um, I would like to go to Chad Kelsey's next comment here. As for the letters, they could be some random crackpot. They could be Hal Snook. They could even be Robert Graysmith. I mean, they think those murders are real, but there's no Zodiac. Ask yourself this. How and why wasn't he caught? They catch everyone these days. BTK, the Green River Killer, Gary Ridgway, I mean, that's one person, of course, Golden State, etc. There's more information here than you and I are seeing. That's a fact. Like Wayne Williams, he might have killed adults, but there ain't no way that idiot got away with killing 20-something little kids. As for Hal Snook, I don't know and I will never know, and I believe that the powers will be have known for decades. I think the letters were written to sell newspapers. Okay, um, so that's going more down the Zodiac hoax theory. That, But back to the CIA connection. If this newspaper is trying to get these letters and ciphers distributed to the media, is it just to sell newspapers for the San Francisco Chronicle? Or is it something here about part of Operation Mockingbird, using the media to distort the thought process of people? And... I mean, I don't even want to tell you the first person that ever told me about this, but for centuries, there are claims by quote-unquote conspiracy theorists that one of the ways that elite circles control the masses, that they control the populace, is by putting out publications that alter how people think. And I have a whole episode on this um, called The Theory of the Black Venetians, if you'd like to hear about it on this channel, some extended answers about global elites and trying to control the masses. And they're saying that this has been going on for centuries and centuries. So this is not completely unheard of. And it's not like all of a sudden they started doing this in the 1960s. But what was going on in the 1960s? The hippies, the movement, anti-war protests. And is there any possibility that people were very cautious around these movements because they thought that they were growing in power, and not in the political sense, but rather 
getting people to think in a different way, a revolution of consciousness. And this is what they wanted to shut down. They wanted to prevent people from thinking in these ways because that it could have drastic effects on the entire power structure of the United States of America, which has an enormous influence on the power structure of the world, the Washington-New York-London connection, which is really the Washington-New York-London-Tel Aviv connection about how these cities have an enormous amount of influence um, through their governmental leadership and the financial connections behind them. And it's a very, very important relationship for many different people. And if the hippies are becoming more powerful, they could be viewed as a threat. What is the holiest city to the hippie movement? San Francisco. And who is somebody that would make the hippies look really bad? Charles Manson, operating in Southern California in the Los Angeles area, for lack of a better term. So you have Charles Manson is the image of what sex, drugs, and rock and roll are going to do to you, as well as everyone who is working with him, Susan Atkins, Leslie Van Houten, Tex Watson, Bruce Davis, all of these people like, okay, sex, drugs, and rock and roll are bad. In the north, San Francisco, the holy city of the hippie movement, now has this reign of terror going on, and it has just been a contaminated image, weakening the movement of, like, the hippies and the whole, po this is like post-flower power generation, the summer of love, it's all just um, going to be put on the back burner because people are going to now have some different type of image going on in their mind, using the media to control how people think. And the Zodiac Killer was one way of going about this. But um, for that to have happened... I mean, I don't know how you could make some type of uh, some type of hoax angle going on where you didn't have the CIA involved. Multiple killers, sure. You could have a thrill kill club where you. I mean, that's what I thought about originally when I looked into the multiple killers theory back in 2019. I was like, it appeared to me that there was some type of thrill kill club, although I didn't know that term yet. That you would have had one person committing each of the crimes. That's why there are all of these differences. There was a different shooter at Blue Rock Springs. There was a different shooter at Lake Herman Road, a different shooter at the Stein incident, and a different knife-wielding stabber at Lake Berryessa. You have four people who would have committed these crimes, and one person is the letter writer. Maybe the letter writer was also one of the murderers, but there was also a central mind that would have been involved with that planning. There's so many um, things you can call this group murder theory, multiple killers theory, um, four horsemen theory. That's another one. But I had to step back from that because I always had to make the statement, one person could have done this. And that's it. That's it, unless you have things like DNA or you have some things like maybe fingerprints that would um, un be uncovered on some type of new evidence. But um, it's highly likely the Zodiac Killer did not leave any fingerprints behind at uh, Lake Berryessa or um, Blue Rock Springs or Lake Herman Road. To the best of my knowledge, maybe there is something that I do not know about, some privileged information. But to make the hoax theory work, that you have someone writing letters taking credit for murder that he did not commit, well, I didn't – I just couldn't fathom how would this work without a CIA operation – where the first two crimes are drug-related, 
and I always said, whether it's in the Great Zodiac Killer hoax book discussion, the Myth of the Zodiac Killer book discussion, by September of 1969, whatever hoax theory angle is going on, it's now taken on a life of its own. And it's not just some guy is writing letters taking credit for murders that he didn't commit. It appears that someone committed a murder under the Zodiac symbol, wearing it on their clothing, and then writing the message on the car door, which is a substitute for a letter, so I believe. And I mean, writing right, the letter, there's a symbol on the car door, the dates of Zodiac activity, and it says Vallejo and by knife. Someone went to some very great effort to actually commit a murder using the Zodiac symbol. And there are skeptical alternatives to this CIA Operation Mockingbird angle or this um, whole Operation Terrify America, you could um, call it that as well. And it is that you just simply had one person. That's the simplest narrative, that one person committed all of these crimes and that one person is just present. I mean, maybe two shooters at Lake Herman Road, maybe one, but Blue Rock Springs, one shooter, Lake Berryessa, one person walking from the car to back down to the picnic blanket where Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard were, committed the stabbing. And some people have uh, wondered about the time gap in between Blue Rock Springs, which occurred on July 4th, 1969. It saw the murder of Darlene Farron. And the Lake Berryessa stabbing on due, um, on September 27th, why is there a two-month time gap between those two crimes? And um, when I was listening to the podcast Zodiac Speaking, which is hosted by Richard Grinnell and Mike Morford, they put forward um, the possibility, I forget if it was Mike or Richard who said it first, but maybe the Zodiac Killer was just waiting for an opportune moment. Maybe he's going to places like Lake Berryessa, and he's trying to find out, is somebody in a vulnerable place, and he's just there at the lake earlier that day, and then he sees two people who are alone, very, very secluded, maybe 500 meters from their car, in short, no one else is around, okay, now's the time to act, and he had the Zodiac hood, pre-cut lengths of rope, he had the blue felt tip pen, oh, sorry, black felt tip pen, actually, the letters were written in blue ink, and the Lake Berryessa corridor was written in black, black felt tip pen, and then the knife, and like he has everything ready to go. He has a kill kit in the trunk of his car, and just ready to spring into action. That's why that crime was committed that way. Lake Berryessa occurred in the daytime, so the killer wore the hood. And even if this is some type of CIA operation, it's a very intricate hood that has the Zodiac symbol. If this were some type of CIA operative, wouldn't he just, um, well, wouldn't he just make sure that they were dead? I mean, if he is a CIA operative who's trying to commit a murder, he wasn't a very good one because both of the victims survived. Cecilia Shepard passed away two days later in the hospital, so that's also a strike against him. The Paul Stein murder, that one's a little bit more convincing, but Brian Hartnell is alive to this day, and it appears, um, well, I guess I have to go to some comments that were made by Drew Beeson on his show, The Zodcast, available on his YouTube channel, Drew Beeson, that's, of, that's the name of the channel as well, and he simply said that the hood had meaning to him. It had meaning to the killer, and the more we get into um, the symbols that are found in art and music and literature, these things seem very personal to somebody. That is just 
my take on the subject, because Playtime, the person who wrote out that excellent email, also shared about how the Zodiac isn't being very original, and is this not suggestive of how this could have been a CIA operation, about how all of these things are coming from just different works of art and literature? Even the Halloween card may have been um, inspired by Harper Lee in To Kill a Mockingbird, and you open it up and it says Boo, and one of the characters in To Kill a Mockingbird is Boo Radley, and even the, um, the Halloween card was mailed October 27th, 1970, to Paul Avery, the reporter for the Chronicle, but um, his name is misspelled Aver Lee, like Boo Rad Lee. And we've uh, done um, one episode, well, it was an AMA, actually, one of the Wednesday shows, talking about all of the clues in the Halloween card that could be connected to T.S. Eliot's The Wasteland, which is possibly one of the explanations for the Stein shooting, and I thank Skating Crow Productions one more time for sharing that, because that so that there's a line in The Wasteland by T.S. Eliot that says, leaving a taxi throbbing and waiting, and um, Paul Stein was killed inside a taxi cab. So uh, th that was my response, though. Like, I don't think I've changed too much on that sense. And this is something that I'm not playing devil's advocate on. I'm not just weighing the merit of the idea. One thing that I do genuinely believe in all of these Zodiac killer um, pieces of artwork, the Halloween card, the Santa Claus card, the Exorcist letter... It's not only coming from one source of literature, and the Halloween card most likely has many different sources of literature, because that was something that Skating Crow Productions asked. With these clues in literature, is the Zodiac using T.S. Eliot's uh, poem, The Wasteland, as a playbook? My answer was, maybe, but not only that one work by Eliot. Uh, the best example of this is the 1974 Exorcist letter, when the Zodiac begins by saying, I saw The Exorcist, and I think that it's the best satirical comedy I've ever seen. Then he goes on to say, plunging into the suicide's grave, titwillow, 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 that's a reference to the Mikado. He's talking about The Exorcist and the Mikado. So the Zodiac was connected by many different um, works of literature. Now, I would like to ask you that as a challenge question. Do you think that the lack of originality in the Zodiac mystery about this person who's just using these different symbols that are taken from other people is suggestive of a CIA operative who's trying to make you think that there's some boogeyman in the dark to destroy the hippie movement, destroy the um, pro-hippie newspaper The Good Times, to manipulate human thought in Operation Mockingbird? Do you think that that's why the Zodiac is so unoriginal? Or do you think that this is a person who just compiled these life experiences over maybe 30 years and the person is just sharing things that are very personal to them? What do you think is more likely in, um, in that event? But I would like to go on to a different angle with the Zodiac CIA connection, and that involves rituals that could be practiced and conducted by the global elites. And there's some theorists out there that have their own take on the CIA. And I first learned about this from Daniela Walls when she said, the CIA is the private arm of the global elites, that there aren't these three branches of government, executive, legislative, and judicial. There are five, executive, legislative, judicial, the electorate, that's us, that's you and me, like the voters are their own branch of government because they can put people in and out of power. And the fifth branch of government is the CIA because they can operate without a lot of examination. And they can, um, well, just that. They would be the private arm of the global elites. That's her take on the subject, but I just wanted to throw that out there. How does this relate to rituals? 
I have three episodes on May Brussel on this channel. May Brussel was, I guess you'd say, a conspiracy theorist. She was the host of Dialogue Conspiracy, and a lot of the points that she made in the 1970s are things that I actually agree with. May Brussel passed away in 1988 at the age of 66. She had cancer, and some of the final works that were done by May Brussel in her conspiratorial investigations were related to identifying satanic cults that existed in the military. And how does this relate to the CIA? Well, is it possible that there are these secret belief systems that exist within people who are just in the global elite circles, military, government, CIA, and satanic cults because it allows them to justify their types of destructive behavior, and it allows them to exert power over humanity, and there's a justification for exerting power over humanity, and Luciferianism is often a word that is used when talking about these rituals. If you ever get a chance to watch the show Strange Angel, which is available on Paramount+, Plus, I've talked a lot about it on that Instagram bonus podcast, but it's an example of how a satanic cult can kind of cross paths with um, the military, or someone who is a military contractor gets pulled into a satanic cult. That is the premise of the show, and um, I would uh, recommend it. It's a very slow-moving show, but that one was really trying to highlight that it's not as conspiratorial as it seems, that these movements were real in the 1930s and 40s and 50s, and once you get to the 1960s, you have the rise of Anton LaVey. The stuff they were talking about in the 1930s and 40s was mostly related to Aleister Crowley. And sometimes these rituals and these destructive belief systems, these Luciferian tendencies of the global elites can spill over into the general public. And then they need to commit certain types of um, actions to cover up this behavior. And that would mean just Blaming somebody else in the media coverage. Blaming this boogeyman in the dark known as the Zodiac. This is the Zodiac speaking. In short, this is just the global elites trying to scare people into staying at home. Oh yes, real people were murdered. Someone's even wearing that costume at Lake Berryessa. So, uh, this, there are crimes that are taking place. But this is nothing more than um, it's nothing more than the global elites covering up for some very very destructive tendencies that they have. In short, destroying humanity. And I asked somebody once, "What is the motivation with all this? Why are you going around saying that you believe that there's this type of um, global elite desire to destroy humanity?" Someone who's very passionate about the new world order and the globalists and the tyrants and the social engineers. And his response to me was. I think that these elites are just as close to pure evil as possible. And the reason why is because the political system is all based on obtaining power. And now I'm getting away from his words and onto mine. But, I mean, that's what it's for, like, about obtaining power. And the way that you obtain power is you have to care about power and nothing else and show a certain indifference to humanity. And a consequence of top-down leadership is there are going to be people that constantly want power and once 
there is a large group of people that has the ability to have this concentration of power, they can have a um, group of people around them that is there to protect them or to do their bidding or to be their enforcers. I mean, a historical example of this is the Praetorian Guard, and I first learned about the Praetorian Guard because there's a book of that title by the former CIA operative John Stockwell, which is a compilation of his um, lectures and speeches and notes and so on. He wrote a more famous book called In Search of Enemies about how the CIA is just that, creating these types of conflicts around the world, but that's more related to the military and the arms trade as opposed to trying to micromanage media coverage through Operation Mockingbird and would um, they ever just do destructive elite rituals because um, it's what I like to call the shadow network of cult-like activity that there are global elites who do very destructive things to humanity, and sometimes we learn about it in the media. Maybe the Lake Berryessa stabbing would be an example of that, and that it doesn't have to be some type of expert CIA assassin who committed the stabbing of Brian Hartnell and Cecilia Shepard. It would just be someone who was involved in an elite circle who committed a ritualistic-style murder. And then they, they use the media to say that this was the Zodiac Killer. I mean, it was planned to be the Zodiac Killer the entire time, the person who murdered Paul Stein, also, that's meant to be some type of global elite thrill kill, and then they're just going to blame it on the Zodiac. This boogeyman in the dark is going to get the blame for it, so it won't be traced back to anybody. It wasn't me. It was the Zodiac. Is that what really happened? What those are, though, everything I just said, though, Shadow network of cult-like activity, the concentrations of wealth and the concentrations of power, the CIA is the private arm of the global elite. That would not change the fact that these are thrill kills. It's a thrill kill. A thrill kill operation. And now I have to provide a skeptical response. What do you need the CIA connection for, then? I mean, couldn't one person have just arranged his own thrill kill operation? Couldn't one person have just decided, all right, well... I'm going to commit the Lake Herman Road shooting, and I'm going to commit the Blue Rock Spring shooting, the Lake Berryessa stabbing, and the murder of Paul Stein. And each one has to become gradually more and more thrilling. And I do want to uh, give credit to the person who came up with this idea. His name is Anfrodite. He has a YouTube channel. And he said that, is it possible that the Zodiac Killer committed a murder that was not intentional at first, like maybe a situation that got out of control and he committed a murder? He killed somebody. And the rush of that experience, the thrill of that experience, got to be so overwhelming that he decided to keep killing because he thought he could get away with it. And he did. He was talking about, um, well, what I meant to say is he wasn't talking about any specific crime. He said that in a general way. So I'm not sure if he was referring to the Sherry Joe Bates murder on uh, October 30th of 1966 or the Lake Huron Road murders on uh, December 20th of 68. I think that that would make a lot of sense for the Bates murder, where somebody's just confronting Sherry Jo Bates, lures her away from her car, and he just lost control. Lost control and stabbed her numerous times and murdered her. But then, for two years, that person is just thinking about they have that that type of adrenaline surge that they just can't rival, and they don't want to uh, do it again at first, but then they realize perhaps they could commit crimes and get away with this. Now, how would they go about 
committing these types of murders and getting away with it, well, they're going to drive to a place called Lake Herman Road because they know that some teenagers are going to be there on a Friday night. They fire some gunshots, they get away, and then, oh my gosh, this really is such a thrilling experience. And then this person is now thinking, well, how am I going to keep committing these crimes and keep getting away with it? What I need to do is I need to think of some sort of disguise and also need to think of some way to create a heightened experience. What is going to increase the thrill? Bragging about it to the police, writing in taunts, writing in letters. So I'm going to write a letter that's going to say, I will state some facts that only I and the police know that came from the killer. And then, once you get to the Lake Berryessa stabbing, this person has been mentioned in the papers. I said the symbol was published August 4th, 1969 in the Vallejo Times-Herald, and also the 408 cipher has been out. Somebody needs to do something even more thrilling. So they put on the costume. Now they're like, I am a badass. I am the epitome of darkness. I am the darkness that is in the light. That's what the Lake Berryessa costume represents. Then... That happened, and Brian Hartnell survived the shooting, but this person is thinking, I need to do something that is even more thrilling, so I'm going to murder the taxi driver, Paul Stein, in downtown San Francisco, in Presidio Heights. I'm going to cut off a piece of his shirt so I can prove that I was the killer, and I'm going to walk away. So close to being caught. However, that is just another type of thrill kill. Where is the necessity for the CIA? I mean, could this have just been one person committing his own set of thrill kills that weren't originally started? They didn't start out to be some type of thrill kill masterpiece loaded with mathematical signatures. It started out because a guy lost control one night, someone who had destructive and homicidal tendencies, and he simply broke free of it. But um, an interesting point would be that I think the CIA angle would almost eliminate all of the unconfirmed Zodiac incidents, Sherry Jo Bates, Ray Davis, the Domingos Edwards murders. All of those would be mostly eliminated. But um, I did want to uh, conclude with one final thing that Playtime sent me, and that was that Paul Stein's birthday was the six-month... Did I say Paul Stein's birthday? I ruined that. Paul Stein's murder occurred on October 11th of 1969. That's six months from the birthday of Anton LaVey, who is the founder of the Church of Satan. That was on April 11th of... That, that's his birthday, and the Stein murder occurs on October 11th, ten, uh, four to six. So there's six months in between those. It's like his half-birthday. I just wanted to throw that out there. As you see, I'm very skeptical of this CIA angle, um, but it doesn't mean that it's impossible. It just means that the... Um, that the single perpetrator theory should not be dismissed so easily. Well, thank you to everyone who has listened to this here, and in case you can't hear, these episodes are going to be coming out um, without any type of gap in the middle, without any commercial break, and the, so I can hopefully upload it to uh, the Launchpad site. And if anybody would like to test out the Launchpad thing to let me know if it works or not, it worked on my devices, but I will try to uh, be putting the episodes out there as well so people can download them for free. Launchpad DM, there's a link in the description box, as well as the new shirt that you can check out on the Teespring page. That's there too. Many things in the description box now, but anybody can write the show at blackboxonlineradio at aol.com. You can also contact me on Facebook and Instagram, blackboxned88 on Instagram, send something into the DMs, and please share your ideas 
in the comments section below about the Zodiac Killer CIA angle. Alright, that's all for me now. See you on Instagram for the bonus podcast. Until next time.